right, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23 is a, I found to be a unique passage. Uh, let me give you the backdrop of this passage before we even read our text. You have estimated three million people or so sitting at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've just been delivered from Egyptian bondage. Now, if you understand Scripture from that point, you understand that bondage in Egypt is a picture of our lostness and how God sets us free from the chains of sin. Just as God set Israel free from the chains of the taskmasters. And as they now have received the law of God... They have come to a place of beginning their journey to what the Bible calls the promised land. Now, I know I've taught many of you this truth, but let me remind the ones that are here that know this truth. And for those that are new, let me give you some insight into this truth. What is the promised land? We always, in Baptist life, interpret it to be heaven. The promised land is not heaven. Never was intended to be heaven. The Bible says, God told Israel that when you get to the promised land, you are to drive out the enemies in the land. I'm glad when I get to heaven, I don't have to do battle anymore. The promised land, according to Hebrews chapter 3, is the fullness of the life of Christ that you and I receive when God saves us. So to walk in the promised land, in our understanding, would be to walk in the fullness of his life. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 that Israel, when given that great command that you're to take the law and put it up on the fontlets of your head and and upon your doorpost, and you're to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. He gives an admonition contained within that. He says, and when you get to the land of promise, then you obey. In other words, God understood until they got to the land of promise, which was God's provision for Israel, they could not walk in the fullness of his greatest command, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Well, the Bible says, Jesus said in John's gospel, that we're to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, and soul. But can I tell you, you can't do that without your promise. And your promise is the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole Christian life is based upon the life of Christ. Y'all have heard me preach that a million times. Now, here's the thing. So here's Israel sitting at the foot of Mount Sinai. They're about to begin their journey. They don't know what's ahead of them. They don't know, they don't know what's going to be the end. They don't know how long it's going to take. They don't know what they're going to encounter. And they're about to launch out into a journey to the provision of God for their lives called the promised land. Well, can I tell you the day God saved you, you launched out on that same journey? 
to walk in the fullness of what God had provided for you in Christ Jesus when he set you free from the bondage of sin. But in that journey, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be enemies. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be moments of unbelief. There's going to be sin. There's going to be carnality. All those things are going to be true. Why? Because we're not sinless perfect. But yet the end of the journey, as we arrive to this place of walking in the fullness of the Lord, which by the way, I believe every child of God can walk in the fullness of God. But as you take this journey, you begin to find out how God works and the way God works. And I believe how he worked with Israel is how he works in our lives today, just from a spiritual realm instead of a physical realm. Now, with all that being said, I want to read the two verses that launched me on this path of this message. I'm going to do something I never, ever, ever do. You'll never hear me probably do it again. I'm going to read two verses at the end of the, what we're going to look at tonight instead of the beginning. And then I'll go back and I'll fill in the blanks. So please stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. I want you to look with me at two verses, chapter 23. And I want you to look at verse number 29 and verse 30. Verse 29 and verse 30. These are the two verses that captivated my heart this week. I will not drive them. Who's the M? The enemies. I will not drive them out before thee in one year. How many of you agree today that you would like God to root out everything that separates you from walking in fullness right now? He said, I will not drive them out from before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate, and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. Now watch verse 30. Notice these first words. But little by little will I drive them out before thee until thou be increased and inherit. Can I put it to you another way? Until you possess your possession. The fullness of the Lord. Father, speak to us through this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to begin in verse 20 now as we walk through this passage together. In verse 20, he begins by giving Israel the provision for this journey. See, God understands that when Israel launches out on this journey, God already knows what enemies they're going to face. God already knows what troubles they're going to face. And God already knows about what's going to take place each and every moment of each and every day of their journey. And so God, in His absolute understanding and foreknowledge, makes a provision for Israel in this journey, given what He knows is going to take place. And in verse 20, it tells us what this provision is. He says, Behold, I send an angel before thee. 
Now, I want you to look at something real close. How many of you are in your Bible has the word angel got a capital A? All right, only a few of you. All right, if, if you don't, it's a capital A. In other words, God doesn't send an angel, just an angelic host along with Israel. And by the way, when God saved you, he doesn't send an angel, just an angelic host with you to help you in this journey. The word angel is capitalized, why? You're going to find out in just a minute because this angel is a pre-incarnate Christ. It's Christ incarnate in the Old Testament. He said, I'll send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. That's the promised land. So in other words, this pre-incarnate Christ, this angel with a capital A, if you will, is God's only provision for Israel in this journey. God does not give them any other provision. In other words, every other provision that's made in the journey comes from this angel or the Lord Jesus. Well, here's the glorious news. When God saved you, he gave you the Lord Jesus indwelt you, not incarnate, but now indwelt you. And can I tell you, he's the only provision God made for you. There's no other provision. It's all found in the person of the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to look at a few things with me here as we look at this. Number one, in verse 20, you find out that this provision for the journey is a sufficient one. Notice what it says again in verse 20. I'll send an angel before you to keep thee in thy way. Aren't you glad today that when you start detouring away from God's way, the Spirit of God brings you back to his way? And to bring thee, in other words, to get you to the place that I've prepared for you. In, I, in our terminology today, the fullness of the life of the Lord Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead bodily in Christ. In other words, this one is so sufficient, the Lord Jesus, that not only does he keep you, aren't you glad? When he gets a hold of you, he don't let you go. But not only does he keep you in the way, but he gets you there. You know, I don't know about you, but it's good to know that when I launch out on a journey that I'm absolutely 100% sure that I'm going to make it. So many times we launch out in, in history, men have launched out into war, into battle, or, or what missionary journeys or whatever else, and they don't know if they're going to make it through it. Well, I got news for you. This is one journey that every child of God will make it. You either experience the fullness of Christ here, or you experience it there. But I want you to listen. You should not be satisfied with waiting till you get there. Matter of fact, I'll say it this way. If you don't have a desire to walk in the fullness of Christ, I would say it this way. You've never started the journey to start with. You're still in Egypt. You see, this journey, it, it starts with a sufficient one. The Lord Jesus, our life, becomes the sufficient one for the journey. Now, let me show you what he says about this provision. He's a superior one. Look at verse 21. Beware of him. Boy, isn't that a weird word to say? 
and obey his what? Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression. For my name, God's name, is in him. In other words, he speaks for me. He says, beware of him. Be very, very careful that you obey his voice. You see, not only is the Lord Jesus the sufficient one, he is the superior one. Because on this journey, the only way that you're going to walk in the fullness of what Christ is in your life and in my life, the only way is when you come to the place of recognizing that self has to die, that Christ could have supremacy. Because when I walk in my way, I promise you, I walk away from the fullness of God. But when I'm obeying his voice, he's always leading me to the promise. He's always leading me to his fullness. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's something about us that we like our freedom. I mean, we like to choose to do what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. That's our flesh. That's our humanity. But I got news for you. When it comes to the Lord Jesus, when that moment that you said yes to him and no to yourself in, in faith and repentance, at that moment right there, you gave up all rights to yourself and you immediately recognized him as Lord and superior over yourself. The only way this journey takes place is when we say yes to him at whatever he says. Now, here's the thing. When you study the life of Israel in this journey, what kept them from the promised land for 40 years? Well, instead of saying yes to his voice, they chose to say yes to their own voice. In other words, instead of trusting him, they determined to trust what their eyes saw. I, I mean, think about it. When, when they got to the place of the edge of, of Canaan that first time, they sent out those spies, and the spies come out and said, it's everything God said it was. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. But I'm sorry, guys, we can't go. You say, why can't you go? Oh, well, there's, there's giants in the land. There's walled cities. We, we can't take those. We, we don't have the ability to take those. What happened? They forgot who the superior one was. And they began to obey their own voice instead of the voice of God. Now, guys, I want you to listen to me. I have many things that I desire for this year for me and for us. But one of the things I desire in this journey of walking in his fullness, I want to see us walk in his fullness, not only individually, but as a church family. As I'm asking the Lord to work within you and work within me an appetite of obedience absolutely far outweighs an appetite for anything else in our life. Because that's the only way you get to this promised land. The fullness of Christ.
So you see here the provision of the Lord. You see he's a sufficient one. You see that he is a superior one. But I want you to see a third component of this one, this pre-incarnate Christ. He's a superior one. Let me read a couple of verses about the Lord. Verse Isaiah 42, verse 16 and I will bring the blind by the way, and they know not. And I will lead them in paths in which they know, have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and forsake them. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what's going to happen to you tomorrow? So why are you trusting yourself? Does Christ know what's going to happen to you tomorrow? Can he lead you in the right way? Psalm 73, verse 24, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, afterwards receive me to glory. So you see a sufficient one, a superior one, but I want you to see thirdly a strong one. Look at verse 22. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then will I be an enemy unto thine enemies, an adversary unto thy adversaries. For mine angel, the Lord himself, shall go before thee and shall bring thee in, unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. How are you glad for the verse, if God be for us, who can be against us? Here's the reality. That the Lord Jesus is the strong one. You see, we live in a day today, guys, where I'm just going to be honest with you. There's going to be adversaries against the church in which the church has not experienced in my lifetime. And it's going to cost you to be a Christian. And so we can look at these things and we can keep our eyes on the news and, and we can mully grub around about what's going on in our land or we can understand from this perspective that if I'm obedient to God, if God be for me, who can be against me? And he'll go before me. Now listen to what I'm about to say. If you understand that truth, then here's what you're going to know. If he goes before me, that means that I don't need to go ahead of him. And it also means I don't need to stay back behind. Because I'm too concerned of what's going to happen. Listen, he's already prepared the way. We're going to get into this a little bit more in just a minute, but I want you to understand something. I believe with all my heart. Now, I know some people are going to disagree with this, and that's okay. You have a right to be wrong. Y'all say amen. <laughs> I believe all of what's going on today in our country is part of the permissive will of God. Because I believe God is going to try through all of this to do a work within the church that he could not do when everything else was peaceful. But see, you've got a sufficient one. You've got one that is supreme. Not only above you, but above every adversary that comes against us. 
and you've got a strong one. The picture here is the Lord goes before you and wins the battle before you ever fight it. Boy, isn't it good to go into battle to know you already won? By the way, I read the end of the book, We Win. And so this journey, God never said it wasn't going to be difficult. God never said there wasn't going to be adversaries. God never said that there wasn't going to be twists in the road and turns and hills and valleys and affliction and persecution and trials and troubles. God never said there wasn't going to be times where it's going to deflate you. And there, God never said there are not going to be times where you, you're going to feel like the, jer- the rug's been jerked out from under you. God never said that. But here's what God did say. He said, I'll be sufficient for you in it. I'll be absolutely not only sufficient for you, but I will be strong for you in it because I've already planned out your life I've already went before you I'm already working before you ever realize I'm at work I'm already working for what's going to happen in your life next week, next year, two years from now, ten years from now I've already got it planned out I've already got it taken care of just trust me and listen to my voice listen to my voice well We see the provision for the journey. Won't you see, secondly, the proclamation for the journey? Look at verse 24. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quiet break down their images and shall serve the Lord your God. He gives two proclamations here. One has to do with a walk of separation. You see, God understood that when Israel came up against these enemies, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Parasites, all these enemies that they're going to come up against, that there would be a grave temptation. Instead of driving them out and trusting the Lord to be their victory, there would be a great temptation to join forces and not try to swim upstream. Now listen to me, people. I believe there's going to be a lot of pressure in our days ahead to really find out who's going to be willing to compromise and who's really, really steadfast in the Lord. You see, the proclamation is stay separate. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in this country, no matter what happens to the church in America, I want you to listen to me. There's one thing that has to be true for you and I to stay on this journey, to walk in the fullness of Christ. And here's what it is. You must stay separate from this world. Because this world is going to try to bring you to a place where you either compromise with them Or they take away everything you thought was precious to you. But Liberty Baptist Church, in the grace of the Lord Jesus alone, we need to stand fast and faithful and not bend a knee to this world. But not only is there a walk of separation, there's a walk of service. He says, serve the Lord. 
Now, I don't know about you, but it's, it's easier to serve the Lord when everything's going good. I mean, when you have all the religious freedoms you need, when you have the ability to just come and go as you want and do what you want, and all of those things, it's so much easier to serve the Lord. But let me ask you a question. Are we willing to be available to the Lord even if our world gets rocked? Are we willing to serve Him even if it costs us greatly? You see, this journey, the Lord knew for Israel, it's going to have pitfalls in it. And if you understand the history of Israel, once they got to the land of Canaan, after they finally came to the place of trusting God, when they got to the land of Canaan, it wasn't too long after that that they began to marry the Canaanites and then began to uh, socialize with the Canaanites. And then the Bible says in the book of Judges, the Canaanites began to take authority over them. Liberty, listen to what I'm saying. There's only one that we're to ever serve. And it's not you. It's not your family. It's the Lord of glory. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Well, let's keep on. So we see, not only do we see the provision for the journey and the proclamation in the journey, but notice the protection in the journey, or the promise in the journey. I'm sorry, verse 25. Look what it says. The bottom of verse, If you shall serve your Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee, and there shall neither... Uh, nothing cast their young, nor be barren in the land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Now, I'm, I'm not going to get into the specifics of this, but here's what I want you to understand. That when we obey God, when we stay faithful, here's one thing you can count on. The favor of God will always rest upon his children. You'll never go without. Hoyt was showing me this morning, just show you how God takes care of his children and his church. Before COVID in March, our average weekly offering was running about $7,500. $7,500. Today, with almost 100 less people in attendance, our offerings are running 10,000 plus every week. You explain that to me. You see, here's the thing about the Lord you need to understand. As he, our sufficient one, he'll never, ever not meet your need. I didn't say your wants. I said your needs. So no matter what happens in our world, in our country, whatever happens, here's the one thing that I can guarantee you. God will take care of his children. You see, this journey is not a journey where we launch out 
into the deep without any provision, without any help, without any hope. No, no, no. This journey is a moment-by-moment faith appropriation of our sufficient, strong, and absolute superior one in which Jesus Christ not only is is our victory and Jesus Christ is not only our provision, but Jesus Christ is our everything. And we walk day by day trusting him. Even when from our physical eyes we see there's no way we find out he's enough. How many times have you went through things in your life and you say, I, I, have, no way, I, know, I have no idea how I'm going to make it through this. And God shows up and God makes a way. This is what he's telling Israel. Now this is, listen, they, they've not launched on this journey fully yet. And he's telling them beforehand, here's what, how it's going to look. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to work in your life. And he goes on and he begins and he says, listen, this is the promise I have for you. But notice the protection for the journey. Look at verse 27. He says, I will send my fear before thee. I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs upon thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hittites and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. This this hornets, most Bible scholars, and I would agree, speaks of Egypt because many times Egypt would come in and thwart the enemy before Israel ever got there. And God would use Egypt to pave the way for Israel's victory in in the land. But here's the reality. Here's what God says. He says, I'll go before you and I will go before you and cause the enemies to fear before you ever come. Now listen to me. We live in a day today that the church is fearful of the world instead of the world fearful of the church. I believe God's going to turn the tables in such a way that we're going to come to a place as a church in America where we're either going to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, or we're going to bow down and bend a knee to this world. And those that stand up and say, Thus saith the world, God's going to turn the tables. And all of a sudden the world's going to realize that the church is not full of false professions, but the church is real and alive. And the church is worthy. To be feared. Give me an example of this. What he's talking about here. The willingness of God in battle. Aren't you glad God's willing to fight your battles for you? He says, I will sin before you. I will, the willingness, I will make willingness. Guys, listen to me. No matter what happens in our land, God is willing to stand up for his church. And I don't know about you, but if I know God's willing, I can stand up with him. Are y'all with me? But notice the wonder of God in battle. My fear will go before thee. (laughs) Will destroy the people who thou shalt come. I will make thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. What does that mean? Run. Run. Now the great illustration of course is. Remember when when the spies went into the Canaan land. And they came to Rahab's house. Y'all remember that? And when they came to Rahab's house. You know Rahab said where you been? 
He said, what do you mean where we've been? Oh, listen, we, we've, we've been defeated for all these years. When we, when we heard about what God done at the Red Sea, we've been fearful. We, we've been defeated. Now, remember, they wouldn't go into the land of promise. Why? Because they saw the walled city of Jericho, and they said, we can't take it. And Rahab said, wait a minute, we've already defeated. We're ready to lay down our arms right now. Where you been? But see, God will never get this world to the place of fear in the church until he gets the church to the place that it's real. That the supernatural sufficiency of God is being manifested in the church. And until that happens, the world has nothing to fear. This It's what God said to Israel in their protection. Listen, what's called church today absolutely causes me to cringe. A lot of what's called church today, God don't call a church. Because a lot of what's called church today takes the world to try to win the world. And that's not a church. They can put it on the sign. They can say it from the pulpit. But I want to tell you something. If the church is not done God's way, it's not God's church. And the reason this world has no respect for the God of the church is because the church has no respect for the God himself. I'm talking about in America. Y'all say amen. Notice fifthly the providence for the journey. Look at verse 29. I will not drive them out from before thee for in one year. <laughs> you would think, well, you know, listen, Lord. Hey, we're ready. I mean, we're trusting you. I mean, we're ready. Let's go. I mean, let's get this over with. Let's go. I mean, let's, hey, listen, let's go tomorrow. We can do it in one day. Let's go tomorrow. How many of you agree if God chose, he could have just spoke and all the enemies could have fell to the ground? But he said, I'm not going to do that. You say, well, why? I thought you were going to fight our battles. I thought if God be for us, who could be against us? He says, because there has to be a pathway of faith. If I go before you, destroy all the enemies before you come up against them, what would you have to trust me in? Have you ever thought that sometimes God will allow things to come against you and God allow things in your life just to bring you to a deeper place of dependence and trust? Because, listen, we go from one battle to another battle to another battle in the spiritual realm. Listen, you and I fight spiritual warfare through the person of the Lord Jesus. And we go from one spiritual battle to another to another. Why? Why does God allow that to happen? Because the more you go through, the more you experience of the victory of the Lord Jesus. And the more you experience of the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus. And the more you trust Him and the more you're dependent upon Him. And the more you realize, I can't fight my battles. I can't 
dictate my future. I can't control what other people do or say unto me. I can't control what other people keep me from doing that I want to do. I can't control any of that stuff. But God, you're in control. And I can trust you. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to come to the place that no matter what happens in my life, you're all I need because you're all I have. I'm not going to drive a mountain one year. You've got to walk by faith. Moment by moment, day by day. You've got to trust me. Notice this. Not only do you see the pathway of faith, but the preparation for fruitfulness. What was the reason God gave for not driving out the enemies in one year? Lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. In other words, if God would have went into Canaan before Israel ever crossed the Jordan and he would have annihilated all the enemies of Israel because remember, God said, this is your land. I've already given it to you. Y'all remember that? Say amen. So how many agree? God in his, in his absolute rightness uh, could have not went against his righteousness or holiness in any way, shape, or form of destroying the enemies of Canaan before Israel ever crossed the Jordan. God could have done that. It wouldn't have went against his holiness at all. But God didn't. Why? Because he said, if I did, then here's what would happen. This land that is so fruitful, this land that brings forth the corn, this land that is like milk and honey, this land that is going to be so fruitful for you when you get there. He said, I'm using the enemies to keep it cultivated, to keep the ground tilled, to keep the weeds out, to keep the briars out. He said, I'm preparing a place for you that when you get there, it's going to be so glorious, and I'm using your enemies to do it. i got news for you today. Hey, listen, our government can do whatever they want to do, but God can use our government to prepare a greater path for the church. Even when they think they're destroying the church. Have you ever thought that maybe it'll get so intense that only the true will stand and the false will be left to look in the mirror of their depravity and the church will now have a captivated heart and a captivated ear. Have you ever thought just maybe God has to bring about things against the church in America that causes the church to finally be a light to a country that is dark as dark can be? You go to foreign countries. You go to China. You go to other countries where persecution and, and illegal just to assemble themselves together to worship. You go to China where they're having to copy the Bible on toilet paper and smuggle it from one person to another. Where they're having to use codes to find out where they're going to meet each given Sunday. Hey, let me tell you something. They're having revival. They're seeing an awakening of people. They're seeing the saving of thousands of souls over there. Why? Because the church that is the church becomes the real church and the world has no explanation for it. Why else would someone stand knowing that if they get caught assembling, they're going to be arrested or killed. Preacher, are you saying that's going to happen here? I'm not saying that. 
But I am saying it's going to get worse. You see, God's preparing something. God's preparing something. Well, let me just show you the last thing and I'm done. Well, I'm going to tell you, this took on some legs that I didn't expect. Verse 30. By little and little, I will drive them out before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Once you see this journey into the fullness of the Lord, it's a gradual process, little by little, little by little. There's a theological term for it. It's called progressional sanctification. God sanctifies you little by little by little by little. So here's what this journey looks like. Enemies come, difficulties come. God walks you through them. God tests and tries, and we're found faithful. And each time, God chips away a little bit more of this self-centered life. And each time, God brings us to just a little bit more of dependence and trust and faith. You see, we have this false understanding that when Israel walked in the wilderness for 40 years, they just, of their own, just walked in circles wherever they wanted to meander around in the desert. No, I got news for you. You read the the book of Exodus. You read the book of Numbers. You'll find out that God guided them every step for those 40 years in the wilderness. And every time they would come up against enemy upon enemy upon enemy upon enemy. And can I tell you something? God delivered them even in their disobedience. And God was going to deliver them in their obedience when they got to the land of Canaan. But here was the reason. Because each time they would come up against an enemy. Here's what God said in Exodus. He said he took them on a journey. And he said, you see this people here? This enemy people again? you they said yes they said listen don't touch this land I've given them this land that's their land then he would take them to another people and he said you see these people here they say yes that's an enemy against you yes he said don't touch their land I've given them this land you say wait a minute pastor why'd God do that because God was trying to teach Israel if I can give the enemy if I can give the heathen people their land I can more than give you your land the land of Canaan that I've prepared for you And you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. It's a gradual process. It's a growing process. Look what he says. Until thy increase. Now, I understand from this context, he's talking about the physical multiplication of the people of Israel. I understand that. But I believe there's a spiritual connotation here. Because I believe as they grew spirit, listen, how many agree the land that they, he had for them was a physical land? How many agree the life he had for us is a spiritual life? And so in other words, this increase for them was a physical manifestation or a physical multiplication of the people. But for you and I, it's a spiritual increase of our faith and our trust. It's a growing process. If we never ever go through difficult times, how are we going to ever learn to trust God? You see, in the book of Judges, chapter 2, Israel forgot everything. I want to read these passages to you. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. 
Now, remember, they, they inherited the land of promise. They began to drive out the Canaanites, and they got complacent. And they stopped trusting God. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that they felt the journey became too difficult. And it says, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because that this people has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice. Remember the proclamation about the, the pre-incarnate Christ? Obey his voice. I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. I'll stop fighting your battles. That through them, God had a purpose. I'll prove you. Whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein, as their fathers did keep it and not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. Church, listen to me. I believe our nation is experiencing what it's experiencing today because America turned their back on God. And God said, that's it. And I believe our country has been and is more so under the hand of the judgment of God than it's ever been in our lifetime. But if the church will hear his voice, God will fight their battles. It's a gradual process. It's a growing process. It's a glorious process. He says, until thou be increased and inherit the land. What's glorious about it? When we get to this journey and we get to the end of this journey, in our personal walk, in our corporate walk, and all of a sudden by faith, an abandonment of trust, dependence, obedience, Repentance, surrender. We begin to experience the fullness of God in our lives. The peace of God begins to rule your hearts in ways that it never ruled your hearts before. The victory of God begins to manifest itself in temptations where it never manifested itself before. The joy of the Lord began to set in when everything around you is falling apart. Listen, all of these attributes of God, all these things that you have in Christ Jesus begin to be experienced in your life. The fullness of the Lord begins to be lived out in your life. You look back and you say, Thank you, Lord, for the journey that got me here. Maybe difficult, maybe hard, but it's worth it. And when you begin to walk in the fullness, let me give you another truth. You've got to stay dependent and stay faithful and stay obedient. Or you'll go back into the wilderness. 
So Liberty, here's your preacher's prayer for us this year and for me. That God, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to allow, however you need to do it, that we'd walk in the fullness of the Godhead. That all that you are would be fulfilled in all that we are for your glory. That's my prayer.